Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Among the many problems facing the country today is a teacher shortage. A recent study estimated that the nationwide shortage in 2018, which was around 110,000, is expected to nearly double by just 2025. Now, there are lots of reasons for this that we'll get into, but one of the solutions is Teach for America, an organization that seeks to enlist and mobilize bright, motivated future leaders and put them to work for two-year stints helping improve some of the nation's poorest performing and most underserved public schools. With me today to discuss this is Laura Vincent, who heads the South Louisiana region of Teach for America. Laura is an alum of LSU and its Manship School of Mass Communications, who was drawn to TFA's mission after graduating in 2007 because of her experience as a volunteer tutor. She spent the next two years teaching second and third graders in North Baton Rouge and became so invested with the organization, she stayed with it. And since 2016, she has led the South Louisiana TFA region, which was one of the six original regions the organization served. Today, she oversees a cohort of more than 200 teachers who last year impacted more than 15,000 students in the four parish region. Like many TFA alums, Laura has already been recognized in the community for her civic leadership by numerous organizations Laura, you've gone on to become a community leader. Thanks so much for being here today on Out to Lunch. And I'm excited sharing to be your here. Stories. Thank you. Also at the table today is Lucas Spielfogel, a Teach for America alum who taught seventh grade at Baker Middle School during his tenure with TFA from 2010 to 2012. Lucas was born in New York, raised in South Florida, then went back up north for college attending Yale University, where he graduated with a bachelor's in history. He joined TFA to give something back and came down here to what must have seemed like the boonies, <laughs> Baker, where he taught seventh grade at Baker Middle School. It might have been the sticks, but after two years, Lucas was hooked on his new community and wanted to continue giving back, so he joined the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition, an organization that helps high-achieving, under-resourced teenagers prepare, excel, and graduate from college. Since 2013, he has led the organization as executive director, growing the number of students it serves from 50 to more than 250 across nine school districts. Lucas, it's a great story and such a worthwhile organization, and you also have established yourself as one of the bright young leaders of Baton Rouge. So thanks so much for being here today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, Laura, I want to start with you. So Baton Rouge was one of the original six Teach for America locations. It came here right at the beginning, I guess because Louisiana schools were so bad. Is that is that the story of its, its involvement here? In 1990, when our founder, Wendy Kopp, she was a senior at Princeton at the time, and you know she had come up with this idea that what if we actually recruited our highest achieving college graduates to teach in our nation's lowest in income schools? Um, when she set out with that idea, um, she knew that she needed to find communities that recognized that there was a need for that kind of talent um, and communities who would be willing to make sure that our teachers had the support to be successful. 
and she met with several community leaders in Baton Rouge um, and left with the impression that yes, Baton Rouge was a community that was ripe for change um, and that our teachers would have the support that they needed in the community to thrive and that has been true for the past 30 years. That's great. And how bad were things here? You know, I wasn't here 30 years ago, so I, I won't speak to to exactly where we were, um, but I'll speak to just what I have seen us be able to achieve over time. Um, if you look at Louisiana's high school graduation rates today, um, we are now, we've broken through the 80% mark. Another um, piece of progress that we've seen that we feel like Teach for America has been a part of, but also, you know, many other partners, is that for the first time in our state's history, African-American graduates are outpacing the national average for, for graduating from high school. So I would say we've come a long way, still have a long way to go as well. And in your own personal journey, what made you want to start teaching? Um, I was tutoring in Baton Rouge. I was a senior in the Manship School at LSU and was really grappling with where I wanted to dedicate the skills that I had developed and realized that I needed to do something that I was incredibly passionate about and where I would spring out of bed every morning and feel like I was really solving um, one of one of our country's greatest injustices. And for me, that became education. And Lucas, what about you? What, what attracted you to Teach for America and why did you select South Louisiana as your, as your location? Yeah, so I'd, I'd love to say that um, I always had an aspiration to be an educator and, and make a difference, but that's not true. And I actually think that's one of the things that TFA can hang its hat on, is that it it um, enlightens folks who are not otherwise interested in or aware of the opportunity to serve um, and to, to, to add value to a community that, that may need it. And so that was my situation. Uh, they were recruiting heavily at my school, at college, and um, thought this could be interesting while I really figure out what I want to do long term. Uh, I don't come from a family of educators. I come from a family of business people, and so this always felt like a short-term solution. But as you said in your, in your introduction, I came here and uh, I, I fell in love in a love-hate relationship, I would say, because it, uh, Teach for America and teaching period is exceptionally difficult. Teaching at Baker Middle School was a very challenging experience, but very formative. Um, and obviously it was positive enough for me to make me want to stay. So um, definitely didn't see myself here nearly a decade later. Uh, didn't see myself as, as a long-term educator, but now I really couldn't see anything different. So what was your first impression? I mean, like Baton Rouge would have been the sticks compared to New York and Yale and probably South Florida. But what did you think when you went to Baker? Uh, the city of Baker or Baker Middle School specifically? Both. <laughs> and they're lovely people, no not. But I mean, oh, no. seriously, it was a, it's a different world. So it's Baker, very much a Baker world. will always have a special place in my heart, and not just because I was a teacher there, but because we continue to work with Baker High School through the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition today. But my impression was, um, was somewhat of shock, but that's also... Uh, saying something not only about Baker, but my own upbringing and my own background. I didn't have exposure to schools that were under-resourced. I always attended schools that were heavily resourced, probably excessively resourced. And so when I came to Baker, um, I don't think I realized that there were schools like that in existence, which again speaks to my naivete and my lack of exposure. Um, and so it was a process of me understanding what were the individual challenges that the students were facing and the structural challenges that, that created some dysfunction within the school. 
And it's, it's, it's no individual person's fault. It's this accumulation of structural inequity that then manifests itself on the ground in kind of a dysfunctional school setting. And again, that's not a knock on a specific school. It's just to say how the big picture kind of unfolds on the ground. And so um, it was a big challenge, but um, it was an incredible experience. And I'm still very much in touch with the students whom I taught uh, back in 2010 to 12. That is wonderful. <laughs> so how does Teach for America, you know, take these, and I know they're not all recent college graduates, but the majority are, or they're generally very young people. How does it take these people and and throw them in a school system within six months of, you know, and, and just a few weeks, really, of training? Either of y'all, or both, yeah. Um, great question. We recognize that teaching is really difficult. You know, Lucas just named that. This is going to be one of the hardest experiences that our core members take on. And so we take our selection model very seriously. Um, We are not selective for selectivity's sake, but we know, we study our student outcomes data every year, and we ask ourselves, what is it about, you know, a group of core members that are achieving great things with students? Because you know, we're making a promise to communities that our core members will will lead students to academic outcomes. And so we look at that data and we refine our selection model year over year. So a lot of our success is due to the talent that we're bringing in in the first place. And then now that we're three decades in, we've also refined our approach to training and support. And you know, that starts with a six to seven week institute that happens nationally in some places and then here locally in, in some other, uh, depending on which region you're teaching in. And during that time, you're really getting um, kind of the boots on the ground experience of what teaching looks like, getting ongoing coaching. And then that ex- that support extends throughout your two years of your commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything can prepare you uh, for being thrown into a public school setting or any teaching setting, um, short of being an education major, which some of our Teach for America core members are, and and of course many non-Teach for America people are taking the traditional path to teaching, but nothing can train you for this job except to experience this job, and that's regardless of, I think, what your educational background is. Um, And I think Teach for America does a good job of selecting people who have the tenacity and the resourcefulness to kind of figure it out because no matter how much uh, training happens during institute or um, your support that you receive from the organization that's ongoing through your two years you kind of just have to have an entrepreneurial attitude and a gritty attitude about the fact that this is going to be really really hard you're going to hit some very low lows um, and you're going to have to lean on your fellow core members i was very lucky because the folks who were in my core with me, were, we were truly best friends and remain really close to this day. And we banded together when times were tough. Um, and you just have to be aggressive and kind of seeking out support and you have to self-advocate. Yeah. And, and Sue, I mean, it, it sounds like a, sort of like a volunteer thing, but Teach for America teachers are actually paid. Who pays for that? The, the organization contracts with the school districts that invites them in? So districts and individual schools enter into a partnership with Teach for America. Our core members, um, which is what we call our teachers within their first two years of their commitment, are paid the same salary as any beginning teacher in that district. And and the school districts actually pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I know in some districts this has created friction, like with teachers unions or older teachers, even if there may be a shortage of bodies in the classroom, there's still this perception maybe that TFA teachers are 
taking over or taking spots that might otherwise belong to, or, or maybe they just don't like the way that Teach for America teachers are doing it. Is that a problem that you all have had here? We haven't experienced that as much locally, to be honest. Um, I think that when you look at a state like Louisiana, when we have so many unfilled teaching positions, it's hard to make an argument against an organization that is actually doing the work of putting um, teachers in classrooms. And so, you know, I don't want to speak to other communities and kind of what the tensions have been, but I wouldn't say we have experienced that locally and, and you know, we try um, to establish strong relationships with veteran teachers in the building. You know, when I think about my own experience um, and, and who really supported me through it, it was Teach for America and the veteran educators that are, were teaching on either side of my classroom. Um, and some of them are still my best friends today. So we want to cultivate strong relationships on that front. Yeah, I think, I think Teach for America is a, a polarizing organization. I think it's an organization that when you bring it up, um, it can engender many different reactions depending on what someone's perspective is or what someone's experiences are. And I've had great conversations that have been um, uh, where I've agreed with folks, where I've learned a lot from people who completely disagree with me. Um, and one of the things I've learned is that you have to examine it micro and macro perspectives. So um, in my experience on the ground at Baker Middle School, which I know is such a hyper-specific experience, it was in line with what Laura said, where there, there was not... Um, people lining up to teach there. In fact, there was, um, we often had uh, a revolving door or we had a lot of substitutes um, in the classroom next door to me. I remember there were seven different teachers in one year. So in that case, a Teach for America core member was welcome. Also, I think about my friends and a lot of people who I know who did Teach for America and I can point to the very specific, super positive things that they've done and the ways that they're still in their students' lives many years after. So when I bring that up to people who who are maybe um, trying to take a, not an anti-Teach for America perspective, but trying to understand how someone could um, see that it may not be the whole solution, of course, uh, bringing up the macro perspective and thinking about that when you are... Um, when you are leaning heavily on a Teach for America-like program, maybe you're you're taking funding away from public schools, and so I think that it's it's a it's a very complicated issue. But where I've landed on it is that education is a really big puzzle, and I think Teach for America is an important part of that puzzle, if a small part, because it can often have an inflated we can have an inflated sense of like how many teachers in the public schools are actually Teach for America core members to begin with. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Laura Vinson of Teach for America and Lucas Spielfogel of the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Lucas Spielfogel of the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition and Laura Vincent of Teach for America. Laura, you say it's polarizing. Why is that? Is that because of the perception that it's rich white kids from Ivy League schools coming down into the boonies and telling people how to do their job? I do think that perception exists. And what's what's really interesting to me when I have a conversation with someone that you know has that perception is that actually today, 40% of our core is coming from a low-income background. You know, we have students who were taught by core members that are now becoming teachers, which is just incredible to me to think about the That's the, the role modeling that is possible. Um, you know, more than 50% of our core members identify as people of color. More than 20% are first in their family to graduate from college. 
And so I think that, you know, and I appreciate being on this show today for this reason, because I do think there is a perception of of who our core members are that is not necessarily true today. And at the same time, what I would offer is we believe it will take a really broad and diverse coalition of people coming from all different backgrounds to actually solve what is a very complex systemic issue, which I appreciate Lucas highlighting throughout this conversation. And we believe that there is a role um, for you know everyone from an Ivy League graduate to um, a state school graduate like myself to play sure. in, in solving this problem. And that is a change, or rather an evolution of the organization from the early days where it mostly was young people of privilege filling the spots to now, as you say, a much more diverse group that are becoming Teach for America teachers. And that was an intentional switch, right? De- de- uh, Laura can definitely speak more authoritatively to that than I can, but I, I'm, I know that that, was, that has been an intentional shift. And that's part of progress, right? That's part of um, organizations, including the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition, being self-reflective and, and continually improving um, in making sure that it's staff, it's volunteers represent the populations that we're serving. Um, uh, and like Laura said, it, it does take a broad coalition of, of folks to, to solve the problem. And I come from that background. I come from the sort of socioeconomic background that I think people often paint Teach for America into that, that corner. And I think a positive thing about that is I would never have been a part of this, um, this avenue of, of, this would never have been something I would have pursued. And I think all of the, the, the many forms of privilege that, that I bring with me, um, one small good part of that is I am able to then uh, to, to wield it in, in, in favor of justice. Um, and I think that there are a lot of folks out there who, who have become involved with Teach for America um, who have been able to uh, leverage their power and their privilege for good. Um, and I think that's the direction that, that we're moving. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition because I want to talk about that. And you are sort of the, the poster child for what a Teach for America teacher should be. You stayed in the community. You went on to become a community leader and to get involved with a really impactful nonprofit organization that you are now leading. What exactly does the Youth Coalition do and how does it contribute to this overall picture of helping youth succeed. Yeah, so so BRIC, the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition, or BRIC, uh, recognizes that there is a resources gap um, in the area of college access and persistence. And so, of course, this is not just a gap that exists in Baton Rouge, but across the country, um, where we're seeing that somewhere between only 15 to 20 percent of lower income students across the country are earning bachelor's degrees, which regardless of how expensive they've become, and they have become exorbitantly expensive, they are still the surest ticket to the middle class in this country. And so um, Brick recognizes that there are incredibly driven uh, students in our school system and in the surrounding parishes that have all of the aspiration and the vision, but not the physical tools and the guidance that they need to earn four-year degrees and navigate what is a very, very complicated process filled with pitfalls that are not really meant to, the, the systems are not meant to serve them. And so um, Brick is a wraparound set of support services that now serves 250 high school students across nine school districts. And are those nine districts local, regional, South Louisiana? Those, those are local. And so they're not nine parishes, but nine school districts. Um, and so the, they stretch as far as Livingston and West and East Feliciana. Um, and then, of course, here primarily in East Baton Rouge. 
Um, we work with ninth through 12th graders, helping them to do everything from become something we call self-regulated learners, which is to essentially be a self-directed learner and be able to teach yourself um, and study effectively, all the way to ACT preparation, writing, coaching, and the execution of the college application process, where we hope that they'll maximize scholarships and matriculate to four-year schools. And do the districts pay you all to come in? Is it a contractual thing, sort of like Teach for America? It's actually not a contractual thing. Um, BRIC is an entirely, at least right now, privately funded organization through philanthropy. Um, we're a beyond school organization, so we do have strong partnerships and relationships with the schools our students come from, but it's not a, a contractual obligation. We recruit students from you know, nearly 30 high schools in this nine school district region, um, but uh, no, they're not paying for us, and they're not paying for us to serve their students, and neither are the students paying to be a part of the program. Interesting. Laura, what do you hear from the teachers in this cohort down here in, in South Louisiana? What are the biggest challenges they see, and what are the needs they see? And, and do they work, for instance, with groups like Youth Coalition? Yes. Um, they, <laughs> yes to all uh, of many, many of our core members and our alums uh, are mentors, serve as college mentors um, with the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition or are on even their full-time staff. And Lucas may want to share a little bit about, more about that in a second. Um, I think our core members, the theme you know, that we've had throughout this conversation of this being such a systemic issue, I observe our core members really being confronted with all that their students are up against, um, not just the education um, gap, but also healthcare, um, transportation access, you know, the list could go on. And so I think that is the thing that does not change in the core member experience. It is realizing all of the obstacles that students and their families are confronted with. And then our role as an organization, and really the second part of our theory of change, is to help our core members as they transition into our alum NIA base understand what is it then that this means for your individual leadership. If you really observed kind of this lack of healthy food access, does that mean you become someone like Jared Heimowitz, who now runs Mayor Broom's Healthy City Initiative, and you actually work towards that as your full-time job and career? Lucas, and do the, the people that work with you at the Youth Coalition, I mean, are they volunteer mentors? Are they tutors? Are there different levels of volunteer participation that you solicit from business people in the community? Are they men and women? Mm -hmm. um, so we have a staff of 13 full-time uh, staff members, and we have five part-time staff members. Like Laura said, some of those are Teach for America alumni, and then others of them come from various other walks of life and, and other places even outside of Louisiana. But we are a heavily volunteer-reliant organization, which I think is one of the things that sets Brick apart locally, regionally, and nationally. We have 130 long-term volunteers, which means that these volunteers are not only coming into, let's say, clean a, you know, paint a bench or, or do a trash pickup, but they're actually part of the brick community for the entire year. And in many cases, they're veterans. They've been with us for two, three, and four years. And so they can plug in in various ways as volunteers. They can be tutors. They can be college mentors, which is a one-on-one -on -one support for each of our seniors throughout the college process. They wow. can be a writing coach. They can be an underclassman mentor, which is to work with our ninth and 10th graders. So we're really enlisting people from across the community, a very broad swath of young adults and young professionals who are at Southern, at LSU, um, who are 
who are Teach for America alumni, City Year alumni, but also from Exxon, from various, various industries. How does this differ, say, from the mission of um, like Big Buddy or 100 Black Men, which I know has white men and Hispanic men also that volunteer to help their young people. Are you all specifically focused on the academic piece of this? or? Um, I think that there are a few different things that, that distinguish BRIC from those organizations you named, which are organizations that we have strong relationships with and partner with. BRIC has a specific niche, which is to work with students who have at least a 3.3 GPA and come from low-income families. Um, who are aspiring to go to four-year colleges. And so in that case, we're, in that way, we're very specialized. Um, whereas, for example, Big Buddy is an after-school mentoring program. Um, BRIC is a mentoring program, but with the ultimate goal to ensure that every single one of its students will matriculate to a, to a four-year college. Um, every, every senior, each of our senior classes will matriculate to a four-year college. That's so great. Yeah. Y'all are both such great assets to the community. Do you plan to stay in Louisiana? I know you got married here. I'm not sure if you married a local. That might, <laughs> that uh, might answer the question for us. I have no plans to leave, um, which is another way of saying I plan to stay. I've bought a house. I've married uh, someone who I met through the teaching program, through Teach for America. Um, but I do want to revisit something that we, we spoke about earlier in the conversation, which is when you said I was like the poster child and I've stayed here. Um, you know, I do think that's one thing that's good about uh, TFA is that they, they do encourage you to make this a lifelong pursuit and it would never have been for me otherwise. But um, I hope that in a few years, I'm not what you would call the poster child. Maybe I'm not what you would call it now. And I've, I've said to many, many people that I would love for a Brick alum, a student who came through Brick, to run this program. And I think that going back to that conversation about, you know, privilege and, and which doors are open to you, I think that that has a lot to do with why I've been successful at Brick. You know, notwithstanding that I've worked hard and I think I have some intelligence, but um, I do think that this community and these initiatives need to be need to be driven by the, the people whom they are serving. And I look forward to being a part of making that happen. Wonderful. Laura, are you, are you going to stay with Teach for America? Stay in, in Baton Rouge area? I'm in both for the long haul, um, mm-hmm. simply because the work is not done. I married a local, um, and we, we live in Point Capi. Um, I'm in Baton Rouge every day. And, and to connect to what Lucas said, you know, my vision, I think our collective vision, is that we walk into boardrooms and we see our former students sitting around the table. And until that is accomplished, um, I will be in this work. And, you know, many, many of our alums I know are committed to, to making that vision come true. Well, Laura Vincent and Lucas Spielfogel, you both are giving so much to the community and in the area where it is most needed, helping the underserved youth. And it's an investment of your time and talent that will pay off in untold ways for years to come. So thanks for what you do and for sharing your stories today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Laura Vincent of Teach for America and Lucas Spielfogel of the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition. You can find out more about Teach for America and the Baton Rouge Youth Coalition by going to the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. 
If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.